Hi everyone, this is Tony. Welcome to the Mouse and More podcast. Tonight I am joined by Crystal and Adam. How's it going, gang? We're good. I'm good. It's That's not going good. good. It's not going good? What's the matter, Adam? I miss I missed the rest of these people. Where are they? You know what? Everybody's busy. Yeah. It's that time of year. The the spring spring is sprung, people are outside, people are getting sick, people are training to become travel agents. You know how it is. <laughs> so We're outside now, it's ten o'clock at night. Shh, don't tell people what time we record. It could be two. What if they're listening at two in the afternoon? Well, no. th- this way they understand what's going on here, so they know. Don't wake our friends up, please. Okay. There we go. <laughs> All right. In any event, this is a news show, so we have a lot of news to get through from the past uh, few weeks uh, or, or week and a half, I guess. And uh, we thought we would talk about the happenings in Disneyland, Disney World, and on the Disney Cruise Line. So we will start in our favorite place, which is Walt Disney World, and I believe Crystal has a little story for us. Yeah, so uh, we've all been wondering what will replace um, the Magical Express service. I mean, I know that I have wondered, and I, when talking to my clients, it's been a big point of anxiety and contention. But Mears uh, recently announced that it will be providing, on well, it will be launching, rather, Mears Connect, which will provide convenient transportation between the Orlando Airport and um, the Walt Disney World theme parks and hotels. They plan to use high-occupancy vehicles. Not really sure what that means. I'm guessing, I'm hoping it's um, luxury bus service. They plan to provide luggage handling. Uh, they will have convenient terminal staging. And they will provide return trips from your resort of choice back to the Orlando airport. One of the things I find interesting is they said that they will be offering enhancements to your package, whichever one you choose. And the pricing will be announced, I think, later this year. Um, I'm wondering if there might be an option to do something a little more luxurious with your family. They said, and I quote, Mir said, and I quote, we plan to offer the same level of experience, service, and convenience we've provided for the last 16 years on behalf of our longtime partner and returning guests and first-time visitors can expect nothing less. It is important for visitors to know they still have many of the same safe transportation options for their Orlando visit, all offered by the same company who has been providing seamless, economical, and hassle-free transportation for decades. So I that put my mind to rest slightly but what do you think guys it's funny and um i was able to cut in because tony was muted uh it's funny because i believe mirrors operated hiding the magical express service anyway so when they say things like you know we're providing the same service we've provided for 16 years well that's because they're (laughs) they were the magical express people that you just didn't know i wonder if the high occupancy vehicles could be limousines that would be fun like a it, nice Humvee limousine. It Come could on. be fun. I, I'm wondering uh, about the luggage service. Sorry, Tony, I didn't mean to cut you off. But did Mears handle the luggage transportation too? Or was that Disney? I don't know. I believe it was all Mears. Luggage from the resort to the airport had to be handled differently because it had to be secured so that it could go through the TSA check. But I believe that coming from the airport, it was Mears. So for years, uh, Disney's Magical Express was actually operated under the cover by Mirrors. And, you know, it was a service that Disney decided to provide somewhere around Walt's 100th birthday. I think it might have been during the Year of a Million Dreams celebration that they started offering Disney's Magical Express service as a free perk to their guests. Now, it's free because it was not a line item charge on your bill. But I'm sure that Disney found a way to roll that cost into your, your resort stay. Um, because Disney was paying for mirrors. And when you look at it from the Disney side, it's genius because if you provide transport from, transport from the airport to the resort, then you, those folks are locked on your resort, which means they're going to use your restaurants. They're going to use your internal transportation. They're not going to go off site. They're not going to go to Chili's. They don't have a car. You know, a lot of people aren't going to take the time to, to rent a, a, to get a taxi or to take an Uber in. Um, they're just going to stay on property for the ease and convenience uh, of using Disney's on-site restaurants. So to keep your guests locked in was a stroke of genius by Disney. Now they've discontinued it. We know that the Brightline train system is supposed to be coming in 2025. 
but that gives us a three and a half year gap with no transportation. Now, Disney has not announced anything. I would not be surprised to see Disney make their own announcement. Um, does it, does that mean they could possibly bring the minivan service back? It could. I That's- did see, I was watching a vlog. They had a ton of minivans still parked at one of the parking lots. I think it was Epcot's. It looks like they still have the minivans. I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't purchase them, if they just leased them and they're just waiting for the lease to come up and they'll return them. A lot of times that happens. Well, I don't see why they wouldn't, because they were doing it for right. the, uh, they were doing it for trips to Cape Canaveral for the cruise line and they were doing it for trips back and forth to the airport. Now they were expensive. It was like a hundred, $150. That's a lot of money, but I don't see why they wouldn't try to do that again. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I'm still surprised that Disney has not yet announced a replacement that is theirs. Um, you know, Mears said that their pricing is going to be announced at a later date, and that later date should be within the next few weeks because their website is supposed to go live for 2022 bookings in May of this year. So if you're going to book it, you need to know how much it costs. So I would expect in the next few weeks to see pricing. I'm just wondering if there's a way or a structure that Disney could have a stake in this because I just don't understand leaving the void. I I don't understand it. So unless they're like what they're doing is they're still providing this transportation directly to the hotel, like you said, the resort, Tony, like you said, and locking people in. But maybe they don't want the liability of having to do it efficiently you know what i mean and by by letting mirrors take on the role of the headline name maybe um they'll make a a larger profit margin but disney will still lock in the guests i don't know i just i I, i'm confused that's that's if it's affordable i mean there are certain people you know like adam who does not use magical express who probably will not use magical express or mirrors connect or you know whatever you want to call it adam's not going to use that um you know he's a rental car guy Uh, when we go down we are rental car people we have never really used magical express but i think it's a great benefit and unfortunately it is you know it's another case of disney canceling something that they have provided and and oftentimes it's something that they have provided for free and i'm making air quotes as as i as i say that um you know it's it's another case of disney taking away a perk and finding a way to increase the price yeah you know they're not going to drop the price of their resorts even though you know they're no longer rolling in the cost of transportation in there and this is on top of the parking fees now right Right. So, so so they're not doing you any favors. Let me ask, if you have been on Magical Express, do you remember if when you went on the bus was full or was it like empty? Okay. So I've been on Magical Express recently. Um, we usually only take Magical Express when we're with the kids, and that's for the experience because it's a bus with a Disney wrap and – they play Disney videos and my kids get really excited and it kind of sets the tone for the vacation. We don't take Magical Express because it's convenient, personal, us personally. Whenever we go down, we usually don't rent a car, but if it's two adults, we hop in an Uber because we don't have to wait online. It's a lot more efficient for us. So um, that being said, the few times that I've been on it recently – I would say the bus was half full, I want to say, during the week. And on the weekend, it was packed. There were, yeah. there were lines, yeah. See, I feel like we don't know how much it cost Disney to, to operate this. But the one time I was on it in September and the bus was empty. And that's not, that's not an efficient use of driving a big bus. So I – I wonder they probably could have done a better job and I say this knowing nothing about how this works. They probably could have done a better job of figuring out how to load fill those buses every time and that would just require some kind of software or something 
so that you got more people on a bus when it's there which, so that people aren't waiting long lines. And then that bus has to go to more than one resort, more than two resorts. So it might have to stop at, you know, 10 resorts. But at least the bus is not, you know, half empty or fully empty. It's full and they're getting the best value for what it is. And the fact that – and Mears, this, Mears, this is what they do. They're a taxi company. They're a bus company. So they know how to efficiently move a lot of people on these things. I'm probably a lot better than Disney can now. I'm sure Disney, they could figure out some kind of software thing and hire somebody to do this, and they just chose not to. And I I agree with you guys. I really don't understand why they would stop this because it doesn't seem like it's that expensive to operate, especially if you could efficiently move these people. And the trade-off is the people are staying on your property, and they're and they're not going out, and they're not shopping at grocery. They're not – going to the place up north universal they're not going to you know other restaurants they're kind of stuck now maybe the flip side is they maybe more people will rent cars so they'll collect more money in parking fees and the parking fees are a lot you know they're like 30 dollars a night at these deluxe resorts so maybe the trade-off of that is they know they're gonna collect more in parking fees and maybe maybe people, if they have cars, maybe they'll try out the other resorts and um, go eat at different places. Maybe that was another thing. I, I like to think that they know what they're doing with this. So, yeah, yeah. There, there there's a reason. You know, Disney does not make decisions like this lightly or or you know on the spur of the moment. So, the reason the contract was not renewed, there's there's an end game here. Um, and and I, I'm still under the assertion that Disney has not yet played their hand. I, I still think Disney is going to come up with their own transportation option. Uh, it might not be to the same level of mirrors. I mean, mirrors, you know, even as Magical Express, they move millions of people, visitors to Disney every year, you know. And uh, not only are they Disney's preferred provider, but they have just taken over, as of last week, the Universal Orlando Resorts Superstar Shuttle. And what was a shuttle service of very small shuttles, like 15-person shuttles, they are now going to the Mirrors full-size luxury motor coaches for Superstar Shuttle. So, uh, you know, good for Mirrors. They're getting that additional business. Um, Universal's only going to to expand their already, uh, you know, thriving business in, in Central Florida. So, so good for them. But uh, definitely interesting to see where the transportation issue is going and where it's headed with the the Bright Line uh, Railroad in the future. So very cool. So uh, awesome. So, Adam, you have a story about some uh, happenings in Epcot. I do. Uh, we Mouse Gear has officially been announced for its change, its new iteration. Uh, the Mouse Gear was the main gift shop in innoventions now help me out here east because epcot is flipped upside down because you walk south when you enter it on north like all the other parks so it's kind of confusing but anyway they do have a temporary mouse gear shop open now which is a lot smaller but they have announced that the new name for the new main gift shop is going to be called creations shop two words that's creations plural, I guess, but not apostrophe yes. Um it's an interesting name. I don't I don't know really why they went with it. Their their main um IP that's gonna be featured in there is Mickey Mouse. I mean I guess that's the person you go with if you're gonna make a Disney um gift shop. They did release one piece of concept art. It's bright. It takes advantage of the big windows they're putting in there, and through the windows you can see a lot of a lot of trees, which are not there now, so that means they're planting at some point, going to plant a lot of trees in the center of where, uh, kind of like where the the Fountain of Nations is, but a little more lower that than that, kind of where the pin trading area is. That's I, I think that's kind of how you have to look at that. And um, yeah, I mean it's got a wood ceiling. Uh, I can tell you from personal experience that wood ceiling is very hard to 
to figure out. Uh, I they did say it will open in the summer. Now I I speaking from my own personal experience, I am very surprised that they're going to get that open by the summer. But that means that they are working really fast in there, so that's good. I think. Yeah, I'm I'm not a big fan of this new name. Me either, Tony. Uh, I don't get it. Like Mouse Gear was so, you know, I I don't want to say iconic, but it fit. Now it also fit the theming of the store. You know, there were a lot of uh, of of there was a lot of movement. It was a very kinetic store. They had those gears. They had uh, it uh, toys it had and. A- it had a double meaning because gear is like stuff too. Right. Like the yeah. idea of gear. And it's machinery. Yeah. Um, you know, I just I don't feel it yet. Uh, obviously, the space is not open, um, so I will have to leave. Uh, you know, judgment until I actually see things. We can judge without seeing. That's this, that's how it works around here. Okay, so yeah. this is not a judgment-free zone. No, no not <laughs> for not for this shop. No. I feel like they're taking away a lot of retail places that I I liked, this being one of them. So I don't know. I know that we have to move on but and grow, but there's something – I agree with Tony. There's something very iconic about mouse gear, and it was just something that you – you know, it was, a, it was a destination in Epcot, at least we, I felt. That was the one place you could go and get – you know, I always associated mouse gear with that's where you can get an embroidered um, Mickey hat for the kids. That was the place to go in Epcot to get one. So I don't know. I would think that creations, you can create a embroidered hat. I would think that's what they're going to go for. I would think, but they had that cool like gear thing in the back. They had the machine. Yeah. Tony's right, you know, and it was like, you know, it went all along with this theme and. I just felt like it flowed so well in Epcot, but then now maybe now that I'm verbalizing and talking it through, maybe Creations is kind of like in better flow with the new Epcot that we're going to see very soon. But you know what? When I walk into any of these new stores, I feel like there's no imagination in them. You know, Mouse Gear was very kinetic, like I said. There was a lot going on up by the ceiling. Um, if you've ever been to the old Disney store in New York City on Fifth Avenue, that was actually a store that was owned and run by the Disney parks. So it was it was run by the theme parks and it was a very imaginative store. There were lots of great little touches there. And then they opened up the store in Times Square and it's just it's devoid of any feeling. Uh, it's got a little bit of Disney touch to it, but it does not it does not scream Disney, you know, much like I said before that the. The value resorts to me should scream Disney and they should be like as gaudy in a good way as possible. And I felt that that's what the old stores were like. And and what we're getting, we're getting a lot of glass, we're getting a lot of modern touches. And and those modern touches often don't lend themselves to the whimsy of, of Imagineering. You know, a big glass window with natural light is nice, but I would much rather see uh, you know, seven dwarves characters carved into the figurehead of the wood paneling, you know, and, yeah. and, and, and that's what I think the stores are missing. You start to walk through some of these stores and it's just it's no different than your neighborhood target. You know, I kind of have that feeling with with every refurbishment that becomes a victim of IP. So mm-hmm. that's kind of how I feel. We know Target and Disney now have that partnership. They do. It definitely looks like Target was used to um, design this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I, but I, I do appreciate the windows. I like that and how they're gonna let that that natural light come in, which the mouse gear did not have that. No, it did not. So I do like and and give them credit. They could put big product displays on those walls and shut them off. Instead, they're going to let the light flow in. And that also allows people that are outside to look through the windows and say, hey, what is this? Oh, that's a store where I can buy an Epcot shirt or something. Un- so until, they realized, un- until they realized that those big natural windows let in too much sunlight and the store is 140 degrees inside and they have to put those uh, those darkened window clings on to keep the sun out. 
That is uh, that's a good point because I know our office is down there. We had to get the windows tinted because it's too too sunny. <laughs> so yes, <laughs> you know what you're right. There we go. All right. Um, and, and was there other news uh, at- attached to the uh, character or the creation spot there? Yeah. So buried in the story is the big piece of news is that Club Cool will be coming back. Club Cool, of course, was where you used to be able to get the Coca-Cola samples of soft drinks from around the world. It closed in September of 2019. It was on the opposite side near where the Starbucks was. That building is now gone. And according to the article post, it will be near attached, however you want to call it, to that creation shop. So it's going across the street, I guess. They don't say what it's going to have. They don't say how they're going to – if it's going to be similar or different to the way it used to be. Will it be free? I hope so. But I just hope that we get Beverly back, the Italian soda, so that you can surprise your friends, your unexpecting friends and relatives to try some Beverly and watch their reaction to. I'm one of those people who like Beverly. How about that? I I was actually going to say, if it is still free, I am going to treat all of our listeners to a shot of Beverly. So feel free to stop by Club Cool. It's on me. (laughs) Um, and uh, enjoy some of Italy's uh, best carbonated beverage. If it didn't have the aftertaste, I think I'd be okay with it. But once when it, you once when you get that delayed reaction of the aftertaste, that's where it kind of hurts my throat. I think I don't know. I grew up drinking a lot of Italian soda, so they uh, that it's a familiar taste to me. Do you guys drink Campari? It kind of reminds me of Campari. No, uh, I do not. Oh, okay. Well, if you dabble in some cocktails, I would try, if you like that bitter, very bitter flavor, um, a little Campari over ice. I drink two things. I drink water and I drink diet. Uh, I'm sorry, not diet. I drink cherry Coke Zero. Oh. And in the winter, I occasionally have a hot cocoa. Oh, That's man. the extent of my beverages. You're so good. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't like the cherry Coke Zero. I'd rather just have regular cherry Coke if I'm doing that. Uh, I can't uh, deal with the calories. I think my favorite was the Bebo, the Kiwi Mango from South Africa. Oh, yeah. If I remember correctly, that one was my favorite. Now, they do had, they did have some Fanta because Fanta is owned by Coca-Cola. The, my only issue with that is you can get Fanta anywhere. So it's yeah. not really that exciting. It wasn't really that different, I should say. But the Bebo... Which was my favorite. Now I don't know if that was fan. I feel like it was Fanta, so I could be, I could be wrong with what I just said. But I that one I'm pretty sure was mine. It, unfortunately, like last time I was there, I didn't even. You don't even realize it's. You didn't even think it was gonna close. So you 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 just you took it for granted. I took it for granted, and I shouldn't have. <laughs> club Club Cool was the only club I was I I even went to. So. Actually, shout out to the Greeks. The Fanta was uh, was the Greek soda. I think they had a pineapple Fanta. Fanta, yes. Fanta. Don't yes, you want pineapple. Yeah. Y- you know, Club Cool is the only club that will accept Adam as a member. See? Exactly. <laughs> so there you go. And uh, Thailand also had a melon melon flavored Fanta. So oh. there were there were two Fantas there. Hmm. Oh yes, Tony, I remember that now. I'm actually cheating. I'm looking at a picture of the uh, the spigots. There is so, <laughs> now there is at Disney Springs a Coca-Cola store, and you can purchase like a flight of different international sodas, and I think they give you a lot more than the seven or eight that were offered at Club Cool. You do you do have to pay for it, and it's my understanding that the Coca-Cola factory in Atlanta or near Atlanta, Georgia, does a similar um similar thing which we should ask chris if she's ever gone to that and she she's done that excuse me adam did you say purchase coke samples yeah that's I, that's well i'm sorry but that's what they're doing I, I i would never do that i've got club cool well before <laughs> in the interim with club cool not being around which but which they did say would also open summer and we know that summer is anywhere from June 20th through September 20th, right? So it could be anywhere within that. And, of course, Space 220 Restaurant was supposed to open in winter of 
Oh gosh, twenty twenty eighteen. Was yeah. it eighteen? Oh gosh, I think it was twenty eighteen. I think it actually might have been 2012. Oh gosh, that's so sad. It'll open soon though. I mean, we're almost almost done there. Anyway. All right, well that's that's exciting. More exciting news from the Walt Disney World Resort, um, and we even have some news from Disneyland, uh, which is very exciting. And uh, we all know that the uh, both Disneyland and Disney's California Adventure are expected to open on April 30th, but that will not be uh, before some cast members actually get to enjoy a soft opening from April 27th through April 29th. Each cast member, either rehired or furloughed, uh, will have an opportunity to get into the parks by going through their internal network called The Hub, and they can bring three guests with them. So uh, we'll get, I'm, I'm sure we'll get some reports of, uh, of what's going on in the parks from some people, because uh, we, we do have... We do have a Disneyland uh, cast member. I'm not going to reveal their name for condition of anonymity. Anonymity? Anonymity? I don't know. Anonymity? Anonymity. (laughs) As opposed to a C anemone. (laughs) (laughs) But But I do do hope that they're able to uh, check it out and let us know. Uh, So in addition to the... uh, In addition to the soft opening, they have released some ticket pricing information... So the pricing is going to remain the same as what it was previously. There are no in increases in ticket pricing. This pricing was introduced in February of 2020, but a one-day, and I'm going to only look at the adult prices here, uh, a one-day adult ticket is going to run you anywhere from $104 to $154. A two-day park ticket is going to run between $235 and $360. A one-day park hopper ticket will set you back $159 to uh, $209. Two-day park hopper ticket will run you between $290 and $415. So depending upon the time of season that you go, um, that is the pricing. Uh, Ticket sales are going to resume online beginning April 15th of this year. You will need a Disney account to purchase a ticket, and you will have to make a park reservation, as many of the parks are now doing uh, as as part of their COVID or post-COVID protocols. And then one of the things that they are doing is if you already hold a ticket, that you could start booking it on April 12th, which by the time you listen to this, it's already past April 12th, which is in theory, that's okay. You've this is not annual pass holders. This annual pass holders, they canceled all the annual passes. This is people that had single day or multi-day tickets that they never used and I guess never got a refund for them. They've just been holding them for over a year. Now, my question to you guys is how many people are holding those tickets that live in California and that don't live in – or that live out of state? And I say this because, I mean, I'll, I would assume a lot of the people holding regular tickets don't live in the area. The reason why they needed the tickets is because they were from out of state and they were coming in on a vacation and that vacation now has been ca- had been canceled. And if they're not allowing out-of-state people in, it like, it's just very strange that they would give that group of people a three-day head start on everybody else. How many people are holding tickets for Disneyland? I, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. I have. I mean, we have no imagine. idea, but I like. I can't imagine it being be that many people. And I do know that they are on sale on eBay if you want to buy some ahead of time. So people have sold them on or selling them on eBay, I should say. That's craziness. It's very odd, the three-day Head Start, and I kind of, I mean, I'm a little biased because I have friends that are annual pass holders, but I just kind of feel like they should have, it would have been nice if they gave old annual pass holders like a day Head Start because you know that they're the ones that are probably going to be able to go there more often and would want to go there because they're the ones that were so loyal from the beginning in the first place. And if they live local, it's easier for them to get there. Like, this doesn't affect me because I can't get there according to the, the rule. That's fine. I'm not going to complain. So this is really only for a certain set of people. Why not keep those people that are loyal to you the most happier? Well, smarter minds than ours have made that decision. Yeah. I really – I can't even – I don't know. I can't even speculate. All right, but you, you know one decision I'm not unhappy about. And that is the decision to open 
Avengers Campus in Disney's California Adventure on June 4th. Woohoo! Now, I can't go there. Technically, right now, we're not California residents, but we're working on that. And, uh, you know, it's very possible that by the time June 4th rolls around, the state of California could be open to, uh, or Disneyland uh, could be open to out-of-state guests. Um, the governor has stated that they have scrapped their economic recovery plan and that if there are enough vaccines to go around and the number of COVID cases and hospitalizations stays low, that they have the potential to open the state and theme parks to out-of-state guests around mid-May. So it is entirely possible that uh, that out-of-state guests will be allowed by the by the opening. Of course, on the other hand, it is also entirely possible that they end up closing the park again. So uh, we'll keep our fingers crossed and, and hope that that is not the case. Um, but Avengers Campus is opening. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Avengers Campus is part of a worldwide initiative at Disney's parks uh, to set up Avengers campuses. There's one in Hong Kong. There's going to be an Avengers Campus in Paris. And there is the Avengers Campus in Anaheim. There are going to be, while there are unique rides, it is a unified storyline that this is where superheroes will be recruited and trained. And this is phase one of the Avengers Campus opening in California. There is a phase two planned with an e-ticket attraction uh, that was originally planned, uh, I believe, for 2022. But that was when Avengers Campus was originally scheduled to open in July of 2020. So that is obviously uh, now no longer the track uh, for the opening for the, the second phase. Um, but we will be getting some new attractions also being incorporated into the Avengers Campus will be the... Um, Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout, which opened in 2017, that will become part of the uh, new land, uh, as well as Web Slingers, a Spider-Man adventure. Um, and we will get the PIM Test Kitchen, which is uh, a, a restaurant. We are getting Doctor Strange Ancient Sanctum, which is where the uh, young... Uh, sorcerers and sorcerers apprentices will be trained in the mystic arts. That's going to be a Marvel version of the Jedi training Academy. So that uh, is something I'm sure that Adam will sign up for uh, in the future. And of course, we're going to be getting a web brigade store where we can purchase uh, all of our Marvel gear. So I don't know about you guys, but I am very excited for Avengers campus. I'm super excited. My boys are going to be so happy Oh, yeah. And they'll and, probably have something. I'm sorry, Tony. Go ahead. Oh, no. I was going to say, I think I'm most excited for the um, first animatronic that is a stunt animatronic character, uh, which will be dressed as Spider-Man, which will be flung across the uh, the the cityscape or, or the campus scape of Avengers Campus. Um, so it will appear as though he is web swinging and high flying over everyone. And uh, I've posted the video before of what this uh, animatron can do, but it, it is amazing. The posing and flips and it is accurate as all get out. Um, so I am very much looking forward to that. And, it was going to be like, uh, like Tinkerbell for my boys. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it will be like Tinkerbell on steroids. Uh, you, you know, you go to the Magic Kingdom, you see Tinkerbell slide down the uh, the cable um, yeah. Take take the cable away and amp it up about a hundred notches. That's that's what this Spider Man is going to be. That's so cool. I yeah. hope they do something like um, something to the equivalent of the Jedi Training Academy. And I'm sure they will because of its popularity. But I hope they do something like that. For well, them. that is that is Doctor Strange in the Mystic Arts. Oh, it so, is. Okay. Yes. So they will uh, young young sorcerers will be trained uh, by Doctor Strange and other other sorcerers. So that's uh, that's very exciting. Have you guys read about um, Pim Test Kitchen? It, I it have. Sound, it sounds so so fun and eclectic, actually. Let's just hope that people get it. Let's just hope people aren't confused getting a gigantic piece of chicken on tiny buns. Maybe <laughs> they they might <laughs> they might be right? confused. But I just think it's really it's a really cute idea. I, I, you know, it's kind of like when they when they opened up Galaxy's Edge and they started offering food 
with Star Wars names, you know, like I want the the Andorian Tipiip, you know, and and then they had to break down and put what they actually were. I can't wait to see that first person who goes into to, to uh, Pim Test Kitchen and complains that the bun is like undersized for the meat or, or, or just things aren't <laughs> to the right skin. It's like, sir, excuse me. But if you know, you know, if you know the Ant-Man story, that's the way it's supposed to be. The buns were shrunk. <laughs> and then, you know, they're going to get too tired about saying it all the time and they're going to make buns that are the right size for the giant chicken. Possibly. My son, Nicholas, will be happy with the uh, humongous uh, condiment bottles because he loves ketchup. So I hope they sell them. Right. <laughs> Who doesn't love ketchup? Is is Adam even on the show anymore? I am. I'm here and um, I am glad that it is its own land and they did not take over Tomorrowland in Disneyland because in Hong Kong they are they have like marvelified a lot of their tomorrow um of the Hong Kong Tomorrowland. I'm glad that it's separate because if you look at it, it's very much of the Tomorrowland esque, you know, design with the clean lines and the blue and the white and, and it looks great. It really does. But I'm glad it's not Tomorrowland. And there there's only the one attraction the spider-man attraction hopefully they get working soon on the other avengers e-ticket ride that we don't really know too much about i think uh, marvel makes the company enough money where it deserves to have a a nice another a nice traction to a brand new land that they're building and yeah i think uh look marvel's uh it's great The, the shows are great the movies are great so this is all good and uh, uh, I, I can't wait to go. You know, we're going to have to wait our turn, and that's fine. I don't need to be there right away. And I would like to be there after I see Black Widow because it's my understanding that part of what's going on in Avengers Campus involves – I don't want to give too much away – involves somebody from the Black Widow movie, and it's going it, to – it all kind of connects right now. So We can say the word Taskmaster. Okay. Yeah, so the Taskmaster villain in Black Widow apparently is supposed to be somewhere in uh, Avengers Campus, and it was like the theory was they had to wait for Black Widow to come out before they opened up Avengers Campus, and that was what was happening, but now they've changed that, but maybe they will just hold back Taskmaster in Avengers Campus until that movie releases so that people aren't confused. And one of the things, they did have a um, press conference webinar thing recently. And then maybe you saw it. I posted some stuff to our page about it. And one of the things that did come up was that the land is supposed to be able to evolve as the stories evolve. So hopefully as they come out with different characters in the movies and the shows, they change up who you see in the land and how they interact and how things happen. Well, you know, I I will agree with you in, in, in the aspect that, you know, I expect to see a lot of characters. Um, and they did in, uh, Avengers campus, kind of the same thing they did in galaxy's edge. So in galaxy's edge, they built a lot of these catwalks and areas for performers, but they're kind of like underutilized, you know, they've got the stage where the, the shuttle is and Kylo Ren will show up there. And then sometimes you'll see stormtroopers walking up on the catwalks, but the intention was that those areas were supposed to be for characters and they've done the same thing in Avengers campus where a lot of the rooftops and the buildings they've designed it so that stunt shows can actually take place. And there's a performance that takes place throughout the day or multiple performances. I'm assuming it's not the same storyline, you know, every time, but these characters are going to be an active living part of the land. And, and I just hope that they utilize it better than they have utilized it in galaxy's edge. Because I had such high hopes for this interactivity in Galaxy's Edge that still has not really materialized. Um, And then to Adam's point that they are using, uh, you know, they're kind of, with the exception of Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout, uh, this is a new land. When you go over to the Paris version, they actually took over uh, what used to be Rock and Roll Roller Coaster with Aerosmith in Disney's uh, studio park in Paris, and that is being rethemed for Iron Man as part of their Avengers campus. So, you know, they are uh, kind of doing like they did with the Tower of Terror, 
where they rethemed it to Guardians, and now they're taking Rock and Roller Coaster and retheming it to Iron Man. So that that's kind of cool that they have the ability to do that. Tony, do you think that you will get the full immersive vibe that you're looking for when the resort opens? Uh, 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 sorry, I had to switch gears because I was think I was still thinking of Avengers Campus, but you're talking a Galactic About, yeah, uh, Star Cruiser. Yes. I I I just you know I just don't get that vibe yet in Galaxy's Edge. You know, there there's a lot more they can do with it. Um, we were promised you know droids, free roaming droids, and those haven't materialized. You know, there was supposed to be a lot of character interaction. And I haven't seen that. And when the resort opens, the resort guests are supposed to be doing some type of after hours event in Galaxy's Edge where they get to go in there and they take a shuttle from the hotel into Batu, and the shuttle drops them off. Um, but you're not going to do that when you have other guests there because it is part of the boutique experience. Um, so th- bringing guests over is is not going to increase the immersiveness of the land. Um, you know, they have the potential to do that um, by just bringing those characters out and utilizing those sets and catwalks as they were designed. And I don't know what's stopping them. You know, and, and I, I, I think, unfortunately, it is it is to Galaxy's Edge detriment that they are not utilizing them uh, the way they they told us they would be. So that's the long way of saying, no, I don't think it will be enhanced fully when when the resort <laughs> opens. OK. All right. Adam, how do you feel about that? I think, um, to be frank, I think the reason why a lot of that stuff was cut is because those are supposed to be equity actors that perform those type of acting roles, and then they realize that they have to pay them more, and they didn't want to do that. Um, and I think that's 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 how that works. I hope that they decide to do that for Marvel because those Marvel makes the company a lot more money than the Star Wars stuff does, and I feel like it kind of deserves that. And um, and there's only one Avengers campus, at least in the United States, versus the two identical, you know, Star Wars. Um, and I, I think a lot of that – I think a lot of the Star Wars interactivity stuff is going to happen inside the hotel That's what versus, I, yeah. That's what versus I, like, on the land. But I would hope that they're going to let you – with Star Wars um, Galactic Star Cruiser, they're going to let you interact more with the Stormtroopers, with Kylo Ren – with Chewie and um, and Ray like on the ground and have your own kind of exclusive thing that's going on with them and because and Galaxy's Edge like Tony you said there's a lot of like space to have stage shows and to stand and look and and the stuff on the catwalks above is great because it gives everybody a, an even vantage point you know like how many times are you watching a stage show and everybody's standing up and you can't see it's just, it's the it's issue with the parades you know people standing in front of you in the parades versus this if everybody's looking up we kind of all have the same perspective and well, you know, uh yes i just feel like this this was meant to compete with the wizarding world of harry potter no i mean like in reality and from my experience um as someone who is neither a fan of harry potter or star wars I will say that I think what you're looking for, Tony, is found more at USO. I really do, like in that respect. And I and I do wish I had that same feeling. You're right at Galaxy's Edge. You will not get an argument from me on that point. Yeah. Uh, I think that as far as an immersive land, uh, Universal has done a much better job with specifically Diagon Alley. Hogsmeade is nice. Diagon Alley kicked it up, you know, uh, a factor of 10. Yeah. Um, and and that is where hopefully Galaxy's Edge gets to one day. Right. You know. Yeah. And 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 it is kind of ridiculous that they built identical Galaxy's Edges on opposite ends of the country. Uh, you know, I I am. Uh, my heart is buoyed by the fact that they are building multiple Avengers campuses. And they are not identical. You know, mm-hmm. each park has different attractions, but there is a unified storyline. And you could have easily done that with two Star Wars parks at opposite ends of the country and given someone a reason 
to go to both parks. Yes. You know, if you're a Star Wars fan and you are a fervent Star Wars fan, you want to go if California was Batu and Florida was Hoth or Florida was Tatooine or Florida was Mustafar, you want to go to that other park. Now, if you've been to one, <laughs> Florida you, already is Mustafar. That's well, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Only Mustafar does not have the humidity that Florida has. It's a dry <laughs> heat on Mustafar. Um, <laughs> But, uh, you know, you, you, there's no real reason to run across country. Once you've been to one, it's the same rides. It might be laid out a little differently, but it's it's the exact same attractions. So so what's the draw? Yeah. You know, and, and I think they kind of learned that with the Avengers campuses. And that's one of the reasons that they're putting in different attractions. When does and, Nintendo World open, guys? Um, Which one? <laughs> they okay. they finally they finally officially confirmed that they are putting in a Nintendo Super Nintendo World in Hollywood Universal Studios Hollywood. They never uh, they never actually confirmed it. There was just Universal is very good at not saying anything. They just start building, whereas Disney likes to say everything and then they build and then sometimes they stop building. So it's kind of embarrassing if you ask me. But uh, Hollywood, I think, is going to be opening next year. But it's my understanding that that Super Nintendo World is going to be smaller than what they already have in Japan. Japan opened up theirs, um, I think, in February. Technically, it, it officially opened. And the Hollywood, I my understanding, is only getting the Mario Kart ride. Uh, Florida, they have not confirmed what is going into Epic Universe. That's the third or fourth park, depending upon your point of view, that they're going to build in Universal. But we can speculate that they are putting in Super, uh, N- Nintendo World Land, whatever you want to call it, right, there. Yeah. But that is not for another four or five years, I think. That buys Nick, Disney some time. They, is- I mean, they could... And, and Nintendo's huge. We talked about it before. I, Nintendo is... There's so many things they can do with it. And um, it's a huge get for universal to have that property and build it because that is a massive international ip that people love oh i just want to say for the record they are building a mickey minis runaway railway in disneyland it would be really nice if that storyline was different than the one in florida maybe a different a different cartoon I mean, it's based off of a cartoon, and you go into the cartoon. How cool would it be if it was a different cartoon, so it made you go to both? Would you Would you like to take bets on the fact that it is not different? <laughs> yeah. No, I want yeah. to. But wouldn't that be nice if they did that? <laughs> it would be, but I doubt it happens. Oh, man. All right. Well, that, that pretty much wraps up California. And uh, I'm realizing as we go through this show that it's it's not as much news as it is a little news, a little talk, a little rumor. Yeah. So we're, we're we're definitely not the hard hitting network news. We're more like entertainment tonight. We're <laughs> we're we're news with fluff this evening. Yeah. Um. So our our last topic is the Disney Cruise Line. Um. You know, unfortunately, the cruise industry has has been put on hold uh, with the coronavirus uh, going on. Um, but that doesn't mean that there is no news. And to that end, the state of Florida has announced that they are going to file court, uh, file papers in court to sue uh, the Biden administration, the CDC, uh, and a few other government entities uh, in order to get them, uh, them being the CDC, to uh, end their no sale order. You know, Governor DeSantis in Florida, uh, if you read his stand, um, he is not very happy with the fact that their uh, decision to not allow allow sailing out of U.S. ports through November 1st, um, you know, it, it's crippling Florida. Florida accounts for 60% of the cruise base in the United States, um, and not having those guests here when they can now fly to other ports in the Bahamas who are allowing sales to orig- uh, sailings to originate down there. It is hurting the industry and specifically hurting uh, ports all around Florida uh, financially. And uh, it's going to take a lot to recover. Uh, so they have decided that uh, their best effort is to sue. Um, there are other grassroots campaigns uh, from organizations like CLIA, 
the Cruise Line Industry Association, where they are submitting um, petitions to the CDC to try to get them to end the no-sale order. So we'll see what legal means, uh, you know, brings about. But as of right now, cruising out of the United States is on hold, uh, technically through November 1st, if they cannot change that. But uh, it is not, that is not the case in the United Kingdom. Uh, the United Kingdom uh, will be getting some Disney sailings uh, beginning this summer. And they are going to start those sailings in June. They are going to be uh, called At Sea United Kingdom Staycations. Uh, Disney Cruise Line, specifically the Magic, is going to be sailing on two-night, three-night, four-night, and I believe five-night itineraries uh, to nowhere. Uh, They're going to be closed-loop cruises. They're going to be leaving from various ports around the country, uh, including... Uh, Tilbury, which is London, Newcastle, Liverpool, uh, Southampton. You're going to go out to sea for, you know, however many nights your cruise is, cruise around and come back. Uh, So there is no Castaway Quay. There are no ports of call. But I think just getting on board a ship and uh, getting a little bit of Disney magic is is just what a lot of us need right now. Oh, man, Uh, that sounds magical. (laughs) Right now, now personally, I think that five nights with no port or, or four nights with no port calls is a little much. Um, but uh, you know, I would I would also give my right arm uh, to be able to get on one of those those cruises. Um, they are going to specifically be open to United Kingdom residents. So just like uh, Disneyland, you you can't shoot over to Disneyland. You can't go to the United Kingdom to uh, jump on a cruise. Pricing has not yet been announced for these uh, sailings. They are going to be made available to uh, Castaway Club members on April 14th for Platinum members, April 15th for Gold, April 16th for Silver members, and then on April 19th, all guests have the ability to call. These can only be booked by phone at this point. Uh, They cannot be booked online. So that's good news. At least one of the four ships is going to be staffed and and at sea. So very happy uh, for those folks. And, um, you know, definitely more more to come on that. Speaking of what's coming, um, there has also been some announcements about the Disney Wish, which is the newest ship in the Disney fleet. That is the fifth ship. There are two more that are going to be in production as well. They are not yet named. Um, But. If you follow the ship production, like Nerdy Tony, uh, you will know that they have been putting together some of the super groups of suites uh, at the Papenberg facility, Meyerwerf's Papenberg facility in Germany. They have floated out a couple of the larger sections, and they actually went through a keel-laying ceremony last week, um, which is uh, a major construction point in the ship. Um, they announced the ship coin, um, and more importantly, they announced the the artwork for the bow, which is going to be Captain Minnie. So that is uh, big news. If you uh, check out the Mouse and More Facebook page, uh, I posted the artwork uh, earlier last week, and uh, that is out there. So that's a nice honor for Minnie. She was made a captain in 2019, and um, good news for her. And The Wish is also going to have a webcast on April 29th where we're going to get more news. Uh, fingers crossed it is about the maiden voyage, which will be at some point in 2022. That's and Crystal, great. you look you look very excited about The Wish. I am. I am super excited, mostly because I think Disney Cruise Line is probably the only cruise line right now I'm willing to get on. And I do love cruising, but um, I have a question, Tony. Will these closed circuit um, cruises out of out of England require vaccinations? They have not stated. They haven't. Okay. They have not. I know the intention is to get the crews uh, vaccinated, but there is no legal precedent to do that, nor have they announced anything for guests yet. Adam. You've never cruised. What do you think? What is the bow? <laughs> <laughs> the, Tony, I'll let you handle this. I might not say it as eloquently as you would. Oh, Adam, you're funny. What is the bow? Why don't they just say what it is? It's 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 where Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet. Put the out the their bow, hand. Adam, is where you are king of the world. 
So yeah. the front? The front. Why yeah. don't they just say at the front? I told you, it's the pointy part that you point the, sh- <laughs> the, the so you stupid. point in the direction you want the ship to go with the bow. You know what they say? Like the best kind of oh, this is perfect actually. They uh, the best kind of friends is the ones that have a boat. Mm-hmm. You don't <laughs> want to have a boat. You want your friend to have a boat. So it's good right. that. Our friends Disney has boats and is paying yes. for it. We just get to go on it. Um, I have not cruised, but the UK cruise sounds really cool. If uh, if it's if it's warm out, but I feel like it's probably chilly out. So like, are you gonna be lounging by the pool? I don't know. I mean, well, is the UK is not is north of where I live, New Jersey. So according to like the latitude longitude line, so. I'm assuming it's it's not nice out on the deck by the pool. Luckily, it will still be summer. Yeah, it's June, right? Did you, you know, did you're you looking June? at June June through August. Oh, that's when they – okay, June – duh, I'm thinking right now. No, that's good. That's better. Okay, that's better. I think uh, – I don't see why they can't require, you know, molt, m- testing and – I mean, I guess if they could require vaccines for cast – for – for the cast to be on the ship and and for the guests, I don't I don't see why that's a problem. Just that the, these people can go on cruises, uh, and then I guess they would have to like not do buffets for a while, and and I guess they would still require masks while you're walking about the the ca- the uh, the decks and all that. But um, yeah, you know, and, as- and then the shows. I guess the other thing is I know that the cruise lines are big on their live stage shows and would they still do them i mean they aren't doing them in the parks why wouldn't they do them or they wouldn't do them on the ships so that would they would have to figure out what they're going to do with that right you know with the ships it's easy they do two performances a day and each each performance accommodates half the uh half of the guests if you're going to not not sail with a, a full capacity of guests then you know, you've just reduced the capacity of each show by, you know, you can probably still fit half of the people that are on the ship in each showing. And if that's not the case, then I wouldn't be surprised to see them add a third showing during the day so that they split the the guests into a third for each performance as opposed yeah, to a half. I just wonder if if that is against like rules with the performance the being too close, the actors being too close with each other, because that's like the problem with Broadway and such is that they're not letting them do that because the actors have to act near each other and they don't want to you know have the mask on for a performance and 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 also now and now and since you mentioned is the cruise line going to be like you know not full capacity does a crew does that make sense financially for a cruise to ship out at half capacity i don't uh, know i i believe they had said from uh port galveston which is in texas that Galveston had spoken with Disney and Disney said that at 40% capacity, they would still be profitable. And that was the number they were looking at. Wow. But that was probably back in November uh, of last year when, when that rumor had come out um, that Port Galveston management, you know, had, had or administration had, had spoken to the Disney cruise line. And that was what Disney had told them was that they would be sailing at about 40% capacity. That is a lot lower than I thought it would be. Yeah, me too. It shows you how much money they're making on these cruise ships. Yeah. Right, well, the 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 important thing to remember on a on a or to think about on a cruise ship though is when you consider a cruise ship to be at 100% capacity, that is two guests in each stateroom, regardless of how many staterooms that ship has or or that stateroom can hold. So it is possible. Uh, when the ships were sailing out of New York City in 2012, ship capacity was at about 130 to 140 percent. Now, that doesn't mean that they were overfilled. That goes on the fact that each stateroom had at least two people in it. And because most families are more than two people, um, the minute you put a third person in a stateroom, that stateroom then goes up over 100 percent capacity. So, you know, 40 percent capacity doesn't mean that 40% of the staterooms are are booked. It means 40% of the uh, actually no, it does mean 40% of the staterooms are booked. But that doesn't mean that that's 40% of the guests. If you follow what I'm saying. Okay. 
And I probably just confused myself and, and pretty much everyone listening. That's okay. It's it's not like they need to have it at 80% to be profitable. So right. that also explains why Disney rarely does discounts for their cruises. Because, like, to, like I would think they do a discount to try to fill empty rooms because they're already profitable anyway. So why discount the discount the the price of what you're paying just to you know maybe they feel like it's not worth it because then once when you start discounting it kind of cheapens the value of what it was in the first place. There's a whole logic behind that. Same reason why they did not have not discounted tickets for the parks because once when you start discounting that that rack rate for tickets then it kind of you're you're diminishing your own product and you want to do that. This doesn't look good for shareholders and stock reports and all that stuff. So anyway, my point is that threshold for capacity is a lot lower than I thought. So that's I guess that's good news for Disney and for the cruise line. And um and I wouldn't I mean if I were Disney I would try to I, w- I would even just shuttle people back and forth to Castaway K and Key K Key Key uh, Key so that uh, they can you know, maximize that to the, to the, as much as it could. So, right. Listen, I hope it, I hope it happens soon. And and I don't see why they can't test and require vaccinations before people get on. I'm hoping that they require vaccinations for crews and guests when they return to sailing. And I wouldn't, like I've, I've said on previous shows, I would not be surprised if initially um, itineraries are very much like a cruise to nowhere with a stop at Castaway Key. Hmm. Makes sense. You know, and and that would make me happy. But wait a minute, we have discussed that there's that law where the cruise has to go to an off. The cruise has to go to a non-U.S. port. Only if it is not returning to the port of origination. Only if it's not returning to origination. So it has to go to a different port. You can leave from Port Canaveral and return to Port Canaveral without putting a foreign port between those two. But you cannot go from Port Canaveral to Key West without an intermediate stop. Oh, that's right. Yes, because they don't want you to like it's it's the trade. You're not. You know, you're, yes. right. you're not transporting people. Yes, right. you're not. Tra- yes. Okay. Yeah. And so. they wouldn't be and they wouldn't be doing that. They they would just be coming back to where they came from. So. Correct. Okay. Correct. So that, that's why uh, you can't. That's why you can't go from. You cannot go from. United States, you cannot go from California to Hawaii direct. You have to stop in Vancouver. In most on a, cases. On a, on a ship, not a plane, obviously, yes. But in most cases, yes. Yeah. There have been provisions, uh, there have been waivers granted specifically for some cruise lines that cruised around the Hawaiian Islands, um, which would allow them to stop in multiple well, yeah, Hawaiian ports. Yes, yeah, Tony, they can't, yes. See, yes, they, they have to have the, the provisions, yes. So you have to have a waiver granted, but it, yeah. it can happen. But under the letter of the law, you must have an intermediate stop between American ports. But it is kind of ridiculous because that's a whole that's like an it's like a three two hundred year old law that they should probably think it, about. It is it is somewhat archaic, but uh, you know I'm no expert in maritime law, but I we do portray should, one on TV. <laughs> we should have we should get a maritime lawyer professional on the show and talk to them about this. That would actually be kind of fun, but they would probably charge us for it, and I don't. Think no, I I believe I know a maritime lawyer, so let me see. Do you really? I do. Ooh, wow. There you go. I That's do. a niche. Yeah. A niche. <laughs> I've never needed one uh, before now. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I know one. I've got a guy. Okay. You know, most people have plumbers in there. In their, uh, you know, I got a guy. You need a plumber? I got a guy. You need a maritime lawyer? I got a guy. Okay. So, all right. So I guess we will wrap things up. Uh, I would like to remind everyone that, as always, our show is sponsored by Main Street and More Travel. Go to their website, MainStreetAndMoreTravel.com, and let Chris and her team help plan your family's next vacation. Um, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. Do we have a TikTok account yet? Yeah, Adam, Adam, Adam dances all the time. You, you haven't seen it, Tony? Uh, I have not. Oh, yeah. You have to check it out. What What is our other social media? I, I think I'm missing one of the social media. Twitter. You're the Twitter. The Twitter is the biggest one. Tinder? Are you running the Tinder account? Not running the Tinder account. No, we don't have that. But uh, search for us on themouseandmore.com. Swipe right if you can. 
And uh, until next time, on behalf of Adam and Crystal, I am Tony, and we are the Mouse and More Podcast. Good night, everyone. <laughs>